Welcome, welcome. You were listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I just want to jump on the mic today. I want to drop a little bit of a podcast recording, shoot down an episode on something that uh, we had hinted at before when we did one of our preview episodes as to what was coming up next. And one of the big things that we said we were going to discuss were unethical practices Um, and this is going to be surrounding the concept of referrals and paying for referrals and some of the other unethical practices that happen in clinics and I really wanted to bring this to um, the attention of a lot of therapists especially ones that are not really in control of the monetary transactions in other words your clinic is providing the receipts they're filling everything out for you you're just really doing the treatments and that's about it and most of us really like to be in that environment because that's a lot less uh work for us in terms of what we got to do on the administrative side but there's a huge downside when it comes to it and i want to wrap on that for a little bit But let me tell you where first this whole thing is coming from. When I finished massage therapy school, I had a partner, he's a chiropractor, and he was kind of finishing up chiropractic college when I was finishing up massage therapy school. And we both kind of went into business together. We we opened up a clinic inside of a health club in Richmond Hill, which is just north of Toronto, in case you're wondering if you're not from around here. And um, we were both kind of in the position where we just started the practice, so obviously things aren't all that busy, and um, uh, we got bills to pay. And so, you know what, I've, I've done my marketing, I've done a lot of my networking, but I can't, I can't sit around and wait for, you know, the masses to walk in. Um, but we all know if, you know, you're not at your clinic, you know, you can't expect to build it. You can't expect for people to walk through the door. So you got to be there. But any which way, like I said, I got a life. I got bills. I, I'm, I'm not living at home with my folks. I'm out on my own and uh, I've got I've got a life to pay for. So a friend of mine told me about a rehabilitation clinic that was in desperate need of a massage therapist because they had a massive, massive caseload and they didn't have a therapist. I think the therapist just kind of quit or didn't show up one day. And he kind of brought it to my attention. He's like, yo, you should check this place out because they're so desperate. You can probably uh, do whatever you want there. And when he says do whatever you want, he meant by like make your own hours and work as little or as often as you want. And so I kind of looked at my overall schedule and I picked out a day that generally wasn't all that busy and it happens to be a Wednesday. So I was like, okay, fuck it. Let me just go there. I'll go on a Wednesday. I'll go once uh, every Wednesday of every month and we'll see how long I need to do this for because I'm just doing this for the money at this point. And because I'm doing it for the money, I don't fucking care about a break. Who cares about a break? So I'm like, eh, you know what, put me in for nine hour days eight or nine hour days and this place only was doing half hour appointments so i would see 16 to 18 appointments one after the other after the other which is fine because again i'm doing this for the money at this point and uh, it was even sweet because sometimes they even paid me at the end of the day anyway so uh, once my clinic took off a little bit more i'm like i can't do this anymore plus i didn't really enjoy doing it i mean like i said 
it was all about the cash and it got me to where I needed to get to. And so, you know what, I gave them my notice. It was a two weeks notice that I gave them. We didn't even have a contract. So actually two weeks notice was quite generous in my mind. Any which way. So I left that place and, um, you know, they still didn't have anyone for the longest time. And even the office administrator who I had got friendly with, she said, we really need you back here or can you refer someone? And I'm like, this place is a fucking dump, is what I'm thinking to myself. So I'm not referring anyone to go work there. Um, but, you you know, I'm a nice guy. So if you really are in desperate need, uh, give me a call. And if I happen to not be overly busy that day, uh, I'll come by or whatever the case is. Anyway, I probably did that once or twice since, you know, I had formally left and it's not till a hell of a long time later I'm, I'm years removed from that particular clinic which by the way is a rehabilitation clinic mostly doing motor vehicle accidents anyway they also do extended healthcare stuff but the majority of their caseload was more vehicle accidents and I was still friendly with uh, the office administrator and this tells you how far back it was we were one time like just chatting it up on MSN and uh, she was telling me how she left there, but I don't think she left there on very good terms because she started to tell me about some of the unethical shit that used to happen there. And when she told me this, I, I kind of got fucking mad because I'm like, you should have told me this when I was there. I thought we were relatively friendly. Any which way, she proceeded to tell me that the owner was using my license number in my absence. And actually, she... She also said, not just in my absence, she was, she told me that the owner was using my license number while I was there for his friends, for treatments that I didn't do. Treatments that, forget I didn't do it, treatments that didn't even take place to begin with. And I was uh, kind of angry at this because I'm like, that's fucking fraud. You know what I mean? Now my name is attached to whatever's going on here. And if anything, you know, remotely horrible happened, like now my name's in the fucking mix. And that's the last thing I need on my fucking plate. Do you know what I mean? Is is a fraud investigation from an extended healthcare company or a fraud investigation coming from an auto insurer and and obviously they didn't give a fuck about me at the clinic so i can see how i would get thrown under the bus as soon as the opportunity came so i was a little upset about that and then that got me thinking about a whole bunch of other shit how you know I wasn't controlling the monetary transactions. I wasn't writing the receipts. They were doing it all for me. And then every other fucking place that someone else works at, well, how do you know that shit's not happening to you? You don't fucking know. You have no fucking clue, right? And so just giving you an idea that this type of unethical practice does exist, these shady motherfuckers that are not regulated healthcare professionals and they own these fucking clinics. And that, that's that's part of the shadiness. You know, and I just want you to be aware of that. So I'll give you some tips as to what you can possibly do when you're leaving a place and you're suspecting these types of activities. Because at the end of the day, there's no master bank of information that you can go search online to see, you know, what dates were people submitted insurance claims through your numbers. I mean, you can do that for auto insurance, but you can't do that for extended healthcare. So my suggestion is if you're leaving a place and you think this shit is happening, 
You fucking get on the horn to the extended healthcare companies, Green Shield, Sun Life, Manulife, uh, Industrial, whatever, whatever insurance companies that your clinic frequently deals with, and you'll inform them. You let them know, I am no longer at this place. This was my last day. If you are seeing a claim come from this place with my name and my license number on it it's not fucking me that's something you want to investigate because that's fraudulent fucking charge that's happening right there anyway that's one of the first things that i wanted to bring to your attention another thing that i wanted to bring to your attention was the whole fucking MVA claims game that happens that you don't know that happens a lot of the time. And it's so fucking shady right from the ground up. And I'll tell you how this happens. Or I'll give you ideas how this happens. So this same place that I was working at before, well, if they were doing this with extended healthcare and the majority of their business is motor vehicle accidents, of which I have no control of the OCF forms, the treatment plant forms that have my name and license number on it well what happened to all those treatments that went through the approval process when i was there legitimately and okay well how many times did someone not come in for a treatment but they got billed anyway for it and i they got paid i didn't get paid i shouldn't get paid but no one should get paid for that that could happen then i left and then how many times was my name still put on new ocf treatment plant forms especially because they didn't have a therapist there but what do they care? They're already doing fraud shit anyway. So fraud is huge. It's so fucking huge. And I want you to know this because if you are at a clinic, I don't want you to get caught up in this mix. I want you to be aware that these things happen. That way you can look for them or that way you can ask and, and make inquiries about them. That type of thing. I used to work in formal massage therapy education. I, I actually had my hand in a, a couple campuses around the greater Toronto area for this one particular school. And part of being involved in a private career college, there's actually a council that schools can pay to be members of to have a voice because you know we there's always unity in numbers and if you're going to take um any information to some sort of organization they don't want to hear from individuals they don't want to hear from individual schools they want to hear from mass collective and so there's something called the ontario council of private massage therapy colleges the ocpmtc ontario council of private massage therapy colleges and because i I was involved in massage therapy education i used to go to those meetings they would have them i can't remember fucking quarterly or something like that and at one of those meetings there was a presentation the presentation was by a i don't know if it was a detective definitely wasn't a police officer but it was someone a little bit higher up in the ranks than a police officer anyway and they were in i think it was opp fraud division or something like that and they were stationed in guelph or this was you know their office was in guelph and he did a whole presentation on motor vehicle accident claims and fraud charges or not fraud charges but fraudulent activity and it was he was saying like something like 10 to 15 percent of all the automobile claims that go across the desk of these uh, auto insurance companies in ontario about 10 to 15 percent of them are purely fucking fraudulent and they were so involved in trying to fight this fraud that they were actually looking to to charge people involved with fraud with a much higher charge 
and the charge they were looking at is criminal conspiracy. For criminal conspiracy charge to be there, as far as I know it to be, and I'm not a lawyer and I ain't a gangster, so I'm not fucking up to date on criminal code. Uh, it's not in my back pocket, but the way I understand it is that you need at least three people that are conspiring to commit crime together. And that's what they were looking to do with these automobile fraudulent charges because you have a clinic you have a paralegal you have the the patient you have the individual practitioner and any one of these people in combination as long as they're in it together to commit fraudulent activity that's crime that's criminal conspiracy and that's a federal charge so that's a whole other ball game so that tells you how 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 important this is or how frequent this happens or really the amount of money that is lost or paid out through these fraud charges and really who suffers from the fraud charges in the end it's the consumer that is why ontario has this fucking huge high automobile insurance rate it's disgusting and we can blame a lot of the time these fraudulent charges that go through that pay out millions and millions and millions of fucking dollars and it starts everywhere. So let me first, before I get into the MVA game, I also want to talk to you guys a little bit about some of the unethical activity that happens with medical doctors and clinics or practitioners and medical doctors. And this is all about the, the idea of paying for referrals. And first, we, I think we need to discuss why this is considered unethical. When it comes down to healthcare ethics, there's certain tenets that exist. One of them is do no harm. One of them is do good wherever possible. Another one is justice. In other words, a sense of fairness. And a major tenant that sticks with all regulated healthcare professionals is something called autonomy. And autonomy is simply the freedom for a patient to choose their healthcare. But if a patient can only truly be free to choose their health care, one, if there's no coercion, constraint, or deception involved, and two, the patient needs to be properly informed. There needs to be some information passing about the nature of the treatment. And when I'm talking nature of the treatment, what are we looking at? The consequences of not having treatment, the alternatives to treatment, the risks and benefits and side effects of the proposed treatment. And once someone has all that information, then they are able to truly come up with their consent. In other words, they if I know the good, the bad, the ugly, then I can really decide and I'm really free to choose. Well, if a medical doctor is getting paid to refer people to a clinic or you're a clinic and you're paying a medical doctor, that medical doctor is telling his patients, you need to go here. And once they do that, without discussing alternatives to treatment or alternative places to go, in other words, they're not informing the patient as much as they know. They're actually withholding information. This is now deception. Do you see where I'm going with this? This is deception right? Imagine my mother, who's an elderly lady, goes to, and has full trust in her doctor because of the built-in social contract, which says, you are a regulated healthcare professional. I'm the vulnerable patient or client. I'm vulnerable because I don't know enough. I, lack of information is there. I may be in pain. I may have a condition. I'm relying on you as the professional who has sworn through your profession to keep my best interest in mind. 
not pad your pocket. So when my mother gets the referral to go see physio and the doctor says, you have to go here, what do you think my mother does? She fucking just goes because she does whatever the doctor tells her because of that built-in social contract. Well, this gets fucked up, especially when people pay medical doctors or medical doctors ask you to pay them for referrals. This can go either way. If you're a clinic and you're looking to increase your volume, you might decide to make an appointment with the medical doctor, a very innocent one. And that innocent appointment, the whole purpose is to let the medical doctor know what your clinic is about, let them know the benefits of your services, and hopefully you cross your fingers and they send people to you or you establish some sort of relationship where they want to send people to you. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy who took one of our courses. And in our course, it's called RMT Business Seminar. We discuss this topic on ethical incentives because we think that we want other therapists to know that this is a thing. And most people are shocked when we talk about this. But this one particular dude, he was actually kind of shocked. But he was shocked for a different reason because it happened to him. He made an appointment with a medical doctor in his community to establish some sort of relationship for referrals. And it was not even a fucking secret. The doctor just full out said, hey man, sure, I'll refer people to you, you pay me. This is what I want. And what he wanted was 25% of whatever the therapist was charging per patient that he sent them per visit. So if you charge a hundred bucks, every time that patient that he referred comes to you, you're coughing up 25 to the doctor. And the doctor also gave another option, which is you could pay me a monthly fee, and that monthly fee was well over $2,000, and quote, unquote, I will fill your clinic. That's a medical doctor just straight up asking for referrals, and that's pretty unethical right from the fucking start. There goes the whole concept of patient autonomy. This is bullshit. So this activity does exist and I want you guys to know that exists right so you may think you're going to go into that medical doctor and have a very innocent conversation and it may turn into whether it's a subliminal under the table or a flat out hey this is how much we charge or this is how much I want to help uh, fill your clinic or send you people which is just complete crap right it, it, as, you, as you understand it to be um, there's also clinics that go about it the other way they where they're the ones that are offering up the incentive that whether they're flat out saying hey here's an envelope full of money this is what we're looking for or here's some tickets to uh, Saturday night's basketball game courtside seats or here's a membership to the the the, the fancy fucking golf club um, you know and all of it comes with a wink and uh, send us patients type of thing so this stuff does exist and I want you to know it's there the other fucking half of it, like we were saying, which does have a lot to do with paying for referrals, but we'll, we'll get into that, is the MVA game that we said before and how this is, how this is fucking fraudulent right from the get-go. Like we said, there's probably about 10 to 15% of all motor vehicle accident claims that go through to an auto insurer are fraudulent. And I'll, I'll show you where this can happen. This can happen a number of different ways. One, we can have a patient who actually doesn't have any injuries and is just looking to you know, get some sort of money from a settlement. And when we're talking about a settlement with an insurance company, what we're doing is an insurance company will settle 
In other words, an insurance company definitely just wants to kind of close the file, never open it up again, and that way this case is taken care of. So oftentimes what they'll do is if there is a lot of therapy that's happening and someone has a lawyer or a paralegal now and they're going through the process of trying to get that person you know what paid for lost wages or or saying stating that they can't do work and because of their injuries they need a lawyer for that so oftentimes this happens right from the patient standpoint with a patient gets into an automobile accident, recognizes, hey, I can fucking have a, if I hold out long enough and I play my cards right, I can have a massive uh, settlement from the insurance company where I'm getting tons of cash, right? So let's look at it from that get-go. That patient gets in a car accident, okay? That person gets into a car accident. And then that person decides, you know, I'm going to go find a paralegal. I'm going to go find an injury law firm to deal with this instead of, you know, I'm going to go to my medical doctor. I'm going to determine if there's any injuries that are there. And if there are injuries, then the medical doctor will refer me to a clinic or will give me the option that that uh, therapy is available. And I will go to that clinic. They will do their assessment. They'll submit to the auto insurance company their findings and their therefore the treatment plan based on their findings. The automobile insurance company they will read through the proposed treatment plan and they will determine yes okay this makes sense for this person's injuries and therefore we we give the stamp of approval for the insur- for the the treatment plan that's the normal procedure that happens when someone's out the patient is out for cash what they do is they end up going straight to a paralegal and that paralegal starts to line them up with all the things that they got to say and do with the attempt of having a settlement at the end. And so one of the things that they're going to do is they're going to send them to a specific clinic, a clinic that they have someone or that they're in relations with where they know this activity is going to take place. In other words, we need this clinic to show that there are injuries that are severe enough that this person can't work or this person can't do home care duties. In other words, their life has been altered so badly through this injury that they're going to need extra stuff. Time off of work, home care help, all that kind of stuff, okay? And so... Obviously, if you send them to a clinic that's not on board and you do an assessment for them and you find that there are no major injuries, then this whole thing goes out the fucking window. So the paralegal really has to play the cards right. The paralegal will have clinics or private assessment companies that they use to send their patients to. And they know that the assessment that they're going to get from that clinic or from that practitioner or from that private assessment company will be in their favor. And then they set that patient up at a, that particular clinic to go to, whether they have the injuries or not, because they have to have it all on paper that the injuries are there and the treatment's taking place. Well, a lot of times, patients don't even show up to these treatments. They go in, they sign all the forms, they sign attendance lists to state that they were there for treatment. The medical professional will create some false tri- or some some fraudulent or untrue, unreal patient files to so there's a paper trail that shows that this person went for therapy. So now the clinic is getting paid from the insurance company for treatments that might not even be taking place. Or maybe there is some level of injury and the patient is going there for treatment, but 
the severity of the condition or the severity of the injury is going to be exacerbated or blown up. In other words, the patient is going to be booked in and approved for treatment well beyond what they actually need. So there's other fraudulent activity. So we've got those two scenarios with the patient. They're not actually even going for treatment and the clinic is fine with that and they're creating false documents or the patient is going for treatment but the treatment is in excess and they don't need that much treatment and the insurance company is still paying out to the clinic. Now this whole time the paralegal is working on all of their documentation to submit to for example the patient's employer to state that this person has these types of injuries, they need this type of therapy, they can't do their job, um, and therefore with employment laws, so you know, if you have a type of injury like that, someone can't just fire you, right? They got to do things like put you on modified duties, blah, 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 or you don't come to work, but you still get paid to some level, you know, some percentage of your, your earnings or maybe even full 100%. And the whole point here is that the insurance, the, the paralegal is holding out for when the insurance company recognizes they're going to have to pay out so much in therapy. They're going to have to pay so much in income replacement. They're going to have to pay out so much for walking devices or mobility aids or whatever the case is that they decide to offer the patient through the paralegal a settlement. And the settlement is here is a lump sum of money that we're going to pay you up front. We're going to pay you this right now. You just have to accept the terms, which is you're going to do whatever you want with this money. And the intent is you're going to continue therapy on your own. You're going to pay for all these things on your own. This will this will cover any kind of uh, in employment issues and income loss. And then we close the file and this is done. There's no going back on this. So that's what a lot of people hold out for. And then, and then in this case, the paralegal will have a cut of whatever the insurance company settlement is. If they're in ranks with the, with the clinic, sometimes the clinic will even get some of that cut even though they've been getting paid for the therapy that they've been doing in excess or fraudulent altogether. And then the patient also gets a cut of that. So we can see how that whole thing becomes a very fucking sticky mess. Now that's with the patient kind of being in the mix or the patient understanding what's happening. We can have this whole scenario where the patient doesn't know what's happening at all. The patient just goes to their medical doctor like they're supposed to, and uh, the doctor will determine you have some sort of injuries. And then the doctor will refer them to a clinic, and that's where it might start, where the patient is completely unaware, but the clinic is on board with something like this. And the clinic will bring you in, and then they will do their assessment, and then they will either s report that you have injuries that are in excess of what you have, or... They will suggest you go see a paralegal because you have a potential case here. So this might be from a standpoint where the, the patient is completely innocent and they're just getting shuffled around from place to place, being directed by the clinics or by the medical doctors or by the paralegals that this is where you need to go because we need to be working with our people that are in the mix. And then the whole time the clinic is going to be getting paid for excessive amounts of therapy that actually may be happening or may not be happening. And the whole point is to hold out for a settlement. Now there are even clinics that go so far, if we're gonna tie in the concept of referrals, that pay medical doctors to send them MVA patients so they can start this whole game. 
So the whole thing is kind of fucked up right from the start. Now, we can even trace this back even further, where there are some, as we suggested before, with the conspiracy to commit crime. And this originally comes from the concept of people that stage accidents. Right? So there's an automobile accident that has been, you know, premeditated. And this is the whole point to get into that whole insurance game. This even falls down way at the level to where you have an automobile accident and the tow truck driver shows up because oftentimes a tow truck driver will want to refer you to a paralegal or they'll want to refer you to a specific medical doctor, or they'll want to refer you to a specific clinic, or they'll refer you to a specific body shop. And then it, it continues from there, where the body shop might have a paralegal that they would refer you to, a doctor they refer you to, or so you can see how this whole thing is just meshed fucking together to make this complete mess of what happens. And at the end of the day, if the insurance company does not have solid proof that there's fraudulent activity that takes place, these are just claims that have to get paid out. And that puts everything in a fucking mess. I wanted you guys to know that this stuff happens. I wanted you to know I want you to know that this stuff happens because I don't want you to be so far into the mix unknowingly. Because it might make you sick inside. Because I don't think anyone wants their name attached to these types of activities if you're not involved with it. If you're involved with it, that's a whole other story. You know what? That's a whole other podcast. Um, but I'm, I'm specifically reaching out to those that do not know that this activity exists. And you should be mindful that exists because you may be working at a place where this stuff happens. My name is Mark. You have been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone.